0: Here's the bottom line and that is, is that if you become a follower of Christ, right, uh, first and foremost, he kind of heals you, which is really, really good. And then the second thing he does is your life starts to get in order. The more you follow him and your values reflect his values, then prosperity across the board goes up in your life.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to help you grow deep in your faith. Our theme this year is the good life. One of our most important discoveries in the good life is not an absence of difficult things, but becoming the strongest person you can become in order to face anything this life throws at you. So the good life begins when you grow strong, move from fear to faith and discover who Jesus is calling you to be. That is why we're here to encourage Mm -hmm. you, to inspire you, to give you knowledge and tools to grow your faith in Jesus Christ. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host and our guide, our coach is none other than the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peake.
0: Welcome. Welcome everyone. And and what a great way to start 2022. And that is, is by developing your own spiritual growth plan. It's just a phenomenal opportunity to you look forward in faith to what God wants to do in you. I think it's really important for us to be intentional about this because the last two years have been more about, uh, uh despair and surviving and all of these things and so there's no better way to, to get back on track and, than to develop your own plan of how you're going to grow and then have God work through you to make that happen.
1: Well, and we're coming to the final chapter in the book of James mm-hmm. and it's just been really powerful to deep dive into this book because when you realize the entire book is built around the theme of the the very first few verses, mm-hmm. it really comes into a new light really. Yes. Um, and so what does the final chapter have to say to us?
0: Well, I think he's kind of in a way he returns a little bit to some of his earlier themes in the letter, but he just kind of drives home the point once again, and why we need to have a plan of how we're going to grow spiritually. And I, I think it's very important. And you know, he says, uh. In the first chapter verses two through four about considering it joy when we encounter various trials so that the testing of our faith produces perseverance or endurance, and then let perseverance or endurance have its work in you. Hmm. It's result in you. And so basically the main theme of the whole book is how do you go strong in heart and mind to face any challenge in life? And so. He starts off with, I think, uh, chapter five, by digging into some really specific things that, uh, don't grow us strong, but deceive us into thinking we're strong. Okay. So listen to these verses. Cause he returns to this. This is, this is the third time. He's actually addressed this issue of the wealthy. He says, now listen, you rich people weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones who were not opposing you. So what is he doing here? Well, if you go back to chapter two and verses six and seven, remember he said, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into a court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? So these people aren't not Christians are not followers and they were interacting with them in the synagogue. And that was the instruction about don't show favoritism for whatever reason or motivation. And then he, he kind of caps off once again, he returns to this issue of the wealth, the wealthy who are oppressing these new believers. Mm. And he says, uh, he, he lists, he basically gives out a bunch of specific charges. The first one is this. Something is coming upon you. You, you think you're okay, but something's going to happen. So that's kind of like a prophetic statement. Number two, he says your wealth has rotted. So what he's saying is that what you thought was making you strong and powerful is being rotted, eaten by moths and being corrupted, your golden silver. And then he says, the reason why is because you hoarded. So that is a specific approach on how you deal with your wealth. He then says you failed to pay wages. So by failing to pay wages, what you're doing is you're cheating other people. Okay. And you're using your power to cheat them. It says you've lived in self-indulgence. In other words, everything is about you. You, you are now fattened and meaning you, you become lazy. And then finally he says you condemned and murdered innocent people. Okay. Now the word here that he used. Uh, murder is different than the one in chapter four, where he says, you don't, he's talking to the followers or believers. says, you don't get what you want, so you kill mm. and that was more of a, a of hyperbole here. He's a different word and he says murder. And so it's like, okay, now he's being very serious that that can be happening and going on. So I think what's fascinating too, in this section of pass this little section, he doesn't say repent or turn away or reconsider your ways. He just basically says you're toast. You know
1: well it's almost i mean because he's talking about a lifestyle right like yes. that's what mm-hmm. he's really getting into here and it's not a set of actions he's just like basically you chose this life yeah so now, this is the consequence of now, choosing the, that yeah mm-hmm. and so it's no longer a like oh you know you can turn this around he's like no you're You're done. Yeah, you're done, done.
0: You're in the consequence phase (laughs) of this, this portion. And so I think the basic issues or temptations, uh, uh, are things that we can look at because here's the bottom line. And that is, is that if you become a follower of Christ, right? Uh, first and foremost, he kind of heals you, which is really, really good. And then the second thing he does is your life starts to get in order. The more you follow him and your values reflect his values, then prosperity across the board goes up in your life. Your emotional prosperity goes up. You're a healthier person, your joy, prosperity goes up. You're a happier person. Right? And then what happens is in your financial world, guess what? You're not being driven by any type of uh, addiction to owning and buying and spending and debt. you, and so you kind of start to get out of debt and then mm-hmm. your financial house is better and you know, j- your relationships are better. And so prosperity across the board. You know, spiritually, emotionally, materially, across the board improves over the long time of following Jesus Christ. That's what happens. And so what's really interesting is, is that I think we can then look at exactly what was going on in the lives of these people and say, oh, here's some signs and things that we can look for when we're developing a spiritual growth plan in order to say, let's avoid those.
1: Right. Things that keep us from falling into traps that these yeah. guys fell into.
0: Yeah. And they fell into these traps. And so notice what he did he goes, first of all, he says, uh, security cannot be found in wealth. He's saying, look, ultimately it will rot and corrode, corrode, and then it eats your flesh. And so this means it's going to let you down and destroy you at some point, right? It, you, if you put all your faith in that and all your hope in that. So as you become more prosperous across the board. The key is not to put your faith in it, keep your faith in the one who is producing who that prosperous. Yeah, exactly. Number two, you become less generous instead of more, right? You, what happens is you, he's saying you've cheated the laborer, right? And now the voice of the harvester. So when is reached the ears of the Lord almighty. So basically when you gain in prosperity, if you cheat people, right, or you short people, then what happens is that that gets to the ear of the Lord who made you prosperous in the first place. Right? Right. So, so that's something else is we got to realize is we don't want to become less generous. I remember a story, a number of years ago where a man was talking about how he started tithing, you know, and he wasn't even a really strong believer or anything at all. He just wanted to be successful in business. And so he went in and he started tithing and then. His business started to take off and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he became a multimillionaire and, and it was like hundreds of millions. And, and so he went in to talk to a pastor about it. And he said, look, I started out, you know, tithing this percent, you know, he took a percent and he set this amount and he st- And so when I first started out, I was giving, you know, $50 a week. Well, well now I'm giving. If I keep doing this, I'm giving, you know, $500,000 a week or some outrageous amount of money. And he said, you know, that's going to really hurt, you know, I mean, you know, you don't want to give in and give windfalls. And I mean, it's making it really complicated. He goes, so I'd like to lower my percent. And so the pastor said, well, if you want to lower your percent, then your income is going to drop. You see, and so the point being that he was making was look, God brought this about. I know you worked hard and I know that you made good decisions, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, God created the air in which you breathe. And so, so, and you followed his principles and all of this stuff happened. And so the temptation as we get wealthier is to become less generous.
1: We close that fist on the money rather than leaving it open.
0: Right. Because you see, oh, I'm giving away. The, the amounts that you're giving away can have a lot of zeros in it. Mm-hmm. And so the key is, is don't, don't reverse to, uh, a hoarding mentality, but keep that going. He says, uh, another, uh, trap is make sure you don't take advantage of people who labor for a living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the majority of people do labor for a living and it's really important not to take advantage of those. Of those things. So if you're in a business right now and you're a follower of Christ and you dedicated your business to honor the Lord, here's three ways to continue to always be blessed in your business. Number one, don't hoard. And if you want to know how not to hoard, you have to have a generosity plan. You have to have a giving plan. I have a teaching on this in our digital discipleship and it's about five videos long, Mm -hmm. it takes maybe 15 minutes to go through, but what it does is it approaches it from a viewpoint that, uh, it's a very biblical viewpoint that most people never hear in teaching.
1: They just hear the word, you should be tithing. And right. most people don't even well, define is the that? word tithing. How is that? <laughs>
0: and then some people say, well, the new Testament says you don't have to, and other people say, yes, it does. And so all the debate is whether I'm supposed to, you know, is over this this, uh, doctrinal position, which misses the whole point of all the teaching on giving in the new Testament, mm-hmm. how it functions. And so, uh, I just encourage everybody go to digital discipleship. You know, you can, uh, access it through our website, you can access it by texting. You know, if you've ever texted anything to the number 72,000 that begins with FH. So if it's FH baptism or FH new or FH giving, I think is this yep. one it's FH giving. So just text FH giving to 72,000. And it's going to pop up right on your phone. And what it does is it doesn't say, you know, how much or what percent what it does. And this is very important about how we operate is it gives you the tools to make a decision of how much or or what percent you should be doing. Mm. So it goes you through this algorithm, basically these steps, and then you decide. Right. So. That that's really thing is so, uh, don't hoard, have a giving plan for your company. Number two is don't give people work, hire people, give them a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. You know, that's it. You know, don't give away jobs. Don't, um, uh, look at it like charity work at it. Like I'm making a transaction with this person. I'm going to give you a fair day's labor or wage for a fair day's labor. Mm -hmm. And just keep it in that. And that will help and always be principled. Know what your core values are. Clarify your core values, put them up on the wall, live your core values. And those are three basic ways to avoid all the traps that James is talking about in these first sections of verses of chapter 5.
1: Well, what's what's fascinating about this is I was actually just reading 1 uh, Kings earlier today, and I was reading about King Solomon. And mm-hmm. he basically, you know, he, he had gone through, done a thousand sacrifices to God, and God said, I'll give you whatever you want, and he says, I want wisdom. And he gets this wisdom, and he's practicing these exact same principles yes. in his first couple transactions that he does with people around him. He's wanting to build a temple, so he goes to his neighbors and says, I will pay you whatever it's worth to do this thing. And he says, you know, I will make sure you are well taken care of. And because he, he offers that the guy's like, well, I don't need loads and loads of money. Why don't you just provide me food? And so it's like Solomon uses these exact principles Mm -hmm. in the process of starting to outsource getting these materials to build this temple. And, um, he's, you know, sending people to the quarry and doing these things. And he's, he's using this wisdom that God gave him, which is the exact same principles you're talking about right now, you know, one of the wisest Kings. Yes, right. so. And
0: and I think right now, a perfect example of how this can be applied in people's lives is that a lot of people in our community, faith owned businesses and so forth. And there, a lot of them are talking about the supply chain, mm-hmm. right? And, and because of what's going on, the supply chain is tightened up. It's shriveled up, it's stopped in certain areas. So there's scarcity going around. And what's happening is some people, uh, have practiced these principles in their business and so. When you have a person who's supplying, right? They're maybe and they're trying to supply, they pick the people who are their best customers first to supply. Right. They do it every time because it's like these are the most important relationships. Well, why are they most important? Because they've been uh done honestly and with integrity over a long period of time. So right. so it it really is important. You want to be blessed in your business, do those things.
1: Well, we are learning so much right now from James, but there's still so much to get through in this last chapter <laughs> yes, and I want to yes. make sure we get to investigate all of it. So let's move on and see how we can further develop our personal spiritual growth plan. What was your next thought well, on this last chapter?
0: He, he then talks about, okay, so I want to avoid these pitfalls of wealth over my course of my life. I want to avoid these things so that I can keep my faith in the one who creates prosperity in my life, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and even materially. And so he then says, Look, you're going to hit hard times. And when you go through those difficult times, don't throw your values out the window. Be patient. Listen to these words, verse seven. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So I think that's a really important phrase for everyone Mm -hmm. to catch when you're having to be patient in the midst of obstacles or suffering. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all my brothers and sisters do not swear. And he doesn't mean cussing. What he means is taking an oath. Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to do is a simple yes or no. Otherwise you will be condemned. So what is he saying? Every good thing in life you know, is going to require at some point patience through a season of dryness, suffering, or non activity. And I I take this to basically mean that every good thing in your life that you pursue has a major flaw in it. Okay. Mm. Because we live in a flawed world. For instance, your career or your business, every career has a major flaw in it, every business has a major flaw in it. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't pursue that career and it doesn't mean you shouldn't do that business, but what it does mean is you better be really aware of the major flaw in mm. that right now, for instance, the highest divorce rate of couples in the United States of America are amongst couples who got married in med school.
1: Interesting.
0: That's the highest rate of divorce people who were married when they went into med school and so now a lot of people are counseling is that, well, if you're going to go to med school, you know, just wait (laughs) and then get married kind of a thing. And and that really brings your success rate way up. And so I think what's really important to understand is that, well, there's a flaw there, the other flaw is that if you're going to pursue a high specialty in medicine is that. There's a chunk of your life where it dominates everything. Mm. You know, if you, if you want to open up a car dealership, right. Uh, It it can be a great thing. You can do really, really well, but you have to understand the flaw in it is that it's, it's retail and it requires long, long
1: hours. Right. I mean, we counsel this to dancers all the time. It's like you have kind of a similar to like professional athletes. It's like you have kind of a set window that you can achieve certain things in dance, right? Like you can be a Broadway actor up until, or a Broadway dancer at a really high level up until about a certain age. And then your body just doesn't keep up with it anymore. Yeah, and then you hard. need to have a plan for that after, <laughs> yes, after career yes, decay so, of your body.
0: And so what, what you're doing is you're saying there's a flaw in this career, right? Be ready for it. Make a plan for it. So I think that's really, really key. Um, There's a flaw in raising kids, right? It is challenging. The biggest flaw in raising kids is people dramatically underestimate how much it's going to cost
1: them. Yes.
0: (laughs) That's a flaw. Uh, There's, this is another thing. Every important relationship in your life, especially your marriage has a major flaw in it. Okay. It has a major flaw in it. If nothing else, you have to realize two flawed people cannot make a perfect relationship in Mm -hmm. any situation, whether it's a business partnership, a really good friendship, uh, if you're on an athletic team together or if you're married, okay. So what, what you need to do is you need to identify these flaws and then you need to learn about these flaws in order to safeguard against it. And so let's be patient and let the Lord do his thing because this is what happens. Life when it's good, right? The flaw doesn't matter. Like, let's say you're a top dancer and you're 28 years old, right? Well, the flaw is irrelevant, right? You know, um, you're, you're uh, a wide receiver and you're 30 years old. winning the super bowl, the flaw is irrelevant, but then in, you know, three or four years as a dancer and athlete, or as a business owner, or as a doctor or a surgeon or a teacher or a lawyer or anything else. When things get tough, right? Maybe there's an injury or maybe there's a downturn in the economy, or maybe there's, um, a bad situation you go through in your marriage. Guess what, you know, a trial tribulation and suffering always brings about is it enhances the flaw, right? It really, uh, uh brings it not only to the surface, but all the focus of the relationship, regardless of whether it's your career and your business or it's a personal relationship gets focused on the flaw. And so the patience and perseverance is the only answer to deal with that. And he talks about the farmers in illustration. He says, look, uh, the farmer h- plants a seed and then he waits for the rains and he has no control over the rains. You know, this is why dry land farmers are some of the most faithful people you'll ever meet, you know, uh, <laughs> But what happens is what they do is they wait for reigns in which they have no control. He then mentions Job in this passage and how he had to persevere through the difficult things and then eventually something came about. So what he's, what is he basically saying here? He's going look, everything has a flaw in it when the hard times hit that flaw is pronounced. And so. If you're like the farmer, you need to be patient and persevere and wait until the rains come and that means the mercy and compassion of Jesus eventually comes maybe quickly or not. Mm. And so you, you hold on until that time comes. It does come, you know, sometimes short, sometimes long. Right. Uh, the one thing about Job is we don't know how long all that took. It doesn't really time stamp it for us. Right. So that's a really big thing. So the, the key is, is to just do it, just persevere, just endure and be patient.
1: So it looks like we're coming towards the end of this chapter and the whole book. Uh, what does James kind of wrap up with in his final words to help make a difference in our spiritual growth?
0: Well, he returns to the issue of prayer again. And I, th- I think patience is really important. And, uh, perseverance is really important when and it becomes powerful, not just important, but powerful when it's coupled with prayer. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from the death. And cover a multitude of sins. So I want you to really focus on, he's talking about prayer, obviously, but notice what he says. He says, if you're sick, call the elders to pray. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So does this include physical healing? I believe it does. But I think that what he's getting across though, is that. The biggest stuff that we should focus on is our spiritual and our emotional, our internal illnesses that create so much suffering. Now, many of you might recall a few podcasts ago, a few weeks ago, Zach was on because you were um, out working and what happened is he talks about how he believes that consider it all joy when we encounter various trials is that most people think all of our trials are outside. And he pointed out that there's a tremendous amount of trials and suffering we have to go through internally. Mm. There's so much stuff we have to work through. Sometimes it's stuff we do to ourselves. Sometimes we have to work through what stuff that somebody else did to us. And so we have to work through that and we should consider it joy that we have the opportunity to do that. And I think that is a very significant point. It's a very significant point because very few people have the hope that they can work through an issue of something that happened to them or something that they've done themselves and come out on the other side better than before. And the reason why is because we live in a world of judgment and accusation. We don't live in a world of redemption and the work of the church, the work of Christ is redemption. And I think, isn't this interesting? Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed so that you could be healed. So God is a God of healing, and he is a God who wants to heal, particularly if we are praying for this, uh, this redemptive healing work in our lives. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective. So I think the, the third teaching, this is the third time he talks about prayer in this entire letter where he gives us a really strong teaching on it. And he says, look. If you you need to pray, if you're in trouble, you need to pray if you're sick, whether externally or internally, you need to pray if you're sinning, right? If, and and what he means by that is see, the problem is some people who are very legalistic, they hear that and they go, ah, there's a standard and you're violating it and you better get your rear and gear and back on track. And what he's saying is look, no, you're out of alignment with the work of Jesus Christ in you. If you guys remember when we started this off, we talked about how the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Well, what is the righteousness of God? And we really dug into, well, it's his plan of to will and to work within you for his good pleasure. You see, he's working in you to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. And so this is the long-term goal of spiritual growth over time. And so if we are sinning, what we're doing is we are out of alignment with his work within our life. You know, we're not being sensitive to that. Paul tells Timothy, he goes, some people who are false prophets are, their conscience is seared. And basically what they're doing, uh, is with the branding iron, he says. And so what they're doing is they are, uh, turning off sensitivity to the Holy spirit, they're not listening to God's work within them. They're rejecting it and shunning it because they're living out of alignment and they keep doing that. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, he says in Colossians, look, you have to be in a lifelong journey of taking off the old and putting on the new, mm. take off the old, put on the new, just, it's a lifelong journey. And he says, look, uh, we should always see people who've wandered from the truth. Well, what truth is he talking about? Is he saying, oh, there's a standard and you've rejected it. Well, there's an issue of blasphemy. Sure. But what he's talking about here, my opinion is we've wandered from the truth of God's divine work within our soul. And we want to bring people back into that. Even people maybe started and then they left. We want them to come back because God never stops working. God doesn't give up on those people. Right. Until, unless they reject God, commit blasphemy of the Holy spirit. Uh, that's the only thing that he says is unforgivable, right? Everything else, you know, he's, he's constantly working even up to that last moment of their last breath to draw them closer to him. So I think ultimately this chapter ends with a really hopeful statement. And that is whoever turns a sinner from error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. I mean, that's really a powerful phrase when you think about it. And that is, is that. You know, a lifelong journey, a lifelong growth can be to constantly be a redemptive person, helping people walk in the fullness of God's love for them. And that right there should be the essence. It should be the vibe. It should be the ethic on which your entire personal spiritual growth plan should be built.
1: Well, thanks for sharing so much with us on, on this book, pastor. I know we're going to wrap up on Thursday with it. Um, you'll have some final thoughts, practical thoughts about what he's talking about during this, but, um, we just encourage you guys to have conversations about what you've been learning in this book with each other. Um, It's part of the reason we are so focused on discussion in our church. Um, After every service, we have discussion questions because we believe that that discussion is where your real growth happens. Um, Our our adult ministries director is a big fan of talking about you, you grow more in circles than you do in rows, which is you're actually talking about what you've been learning and what we've been discussing. So just listening to this is only one part of the Salty Pastor experience. The other part is you're going out and having discussions with people in your lives about what does this mean to you? So um, we love that you guys are having that. If you have other thoughts about this, share them with us. We have, um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment. We love those comments. Marie Alder left us a comment uh, about yes. Zach being on last week saying that she really appreciated his nuanced, objective, and thoughtful input on this. So we like hearing the positive things, but we also want to hear what you guys are getting out of it as well, because that's helping us understand and see what you guys are getting out of these teachings. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast.
0: Blessings.